Being rejected is not high up on our to-do list, is it? Well, in today's episode, we will talk about our calling and commission to share the gospel and ways to connect with today's distracted and disinterested culture. Welcome to Talk Truth, a McGregor podcast, where we dive into scripture, gain insight from community, and biblically answer life questions. Talk Truth will answer life questions submitted by our listeners every other week. I'm your host, Danielle Flood. Let's open the word, gather together, and talk some truth. Today, I am joined by Pastor Jim Holbrook and Mark Decker, both longtime passionate members here at McGregor Baptist Church. Our question today is, how do I engage the gospel with a distracted and disinterested culture? But before we dive in, let's pray. Father, you are the author of our stories and our cultures. Thank you for allowing us to be your children, and we ask you to lead us in obedience to share your good news whenever and wherever you call. We offer you this time today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, Pastor Holbrook, for those new to the church, what is your story? Well, in 1968, I was invited here to hold a youth-led revival by the former pastor. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I came, I was young, <laughs> and uh, I came down. We had a great meeting. Yeah. And two years later, the pre- pastor resigned, and I guess I was the first one they thought of. Okay. And so... I came in 1968. Right? No, I, yeah, I came in 68. Must have been 66 I had the revival. That's right. Okay. So anyway, uh, I've been here ever since. Yeah, so you became the pastor of McGregor Baptist Church on McGregor. For 30 years. 30 years. Amen to that. Yep. Well, it was uh, it was really wonderful. It was like a romance. Okay. We will hear more. No horror stories. <laughs> <laughs> wonderful. And Mark, you go back almost as far. Right. We, uh, I started coming here in about, I think it was 1986. We'd already moved out to the new building out here. Okay. And um, was looking for a, a church. And I'd grown up in a small church and big churches were, I wasn't scared of it, but it was really different mm-hmm. than what I was used to. So started coming here, met lots of people and uh, just fell in love with just the just McGregor, the McGregor people, just the vibe that was here. Just you could see the Lord working everywhere. Mm-hmm. And uh, what clinched the deal for me uh, the day I went forward, I just decided, you know, this is really a great place to serve God. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's so many opportunities. Pastor was always um, good about if if you see a need, meet it, mm-hmm. you know, go do something. And so... I got involved with the the kids, the children's ministry, and that was a very long time ago, and I'm still there. So I I work with the adults and lots of different things, but uh, um, yeah, that's that's what got me going here. It was just a great place to serve God. I love that, and it's true. I mean, some of us that have been around a while, you find all these different places, the smaller church within the bigger church, and ways to serve and keep serving. And now, you know, I get to serve with my family, and there's there's no greater honor. So our question today is how do I engage the gospel with a distracted and disinterested culture? 
And I want to talk about that because you both have been sharing the gospel a long time, uh, discipling. We talked about that earlier in Talk Truth. Um, but does the Bible call all Christians to share the gospel or just those serving, maybe? Everybody. Everybody. Uh, the Word of God says in Matthew, to all, go ye therefore into all the world and make disciples. Right. Another way to say that, and it, it seems to work better for me, is to, as you are going, mm -hmm. make disciples. When you're going about whatever your business is, um, some people are called to be evangelist, but not everybody. Mm -hmm. we're, we're called to be ready to give that word of encouragement for the hope that lies within us, but um, some people are lawyers or doctors or carpenters or whatever. So we've got to be prepared to serve as we are going. Mm -hmm. And that works real good for me. Okay. Pastor Holbrook, how have you um, seen that across your life and your ministry that people are called to share and called to serve? Well, Jesus said, you shall be my witnesses. Mm. And uh, it just seems, you know, he says, go into all the world. And uh, we took that quite seriously. Mm -hmm. We would go. And I think it was contagious mm -hmm. to the people. I always figured uh, the only way for a man to lead was to get out in front and show that he was doing it. So I, my, my whole built ministry was built on personal evangelism. Hmm. I never could give an invitation worth a hoot, so I had to go out and win them in their homes. And a lot of people joined in. And, okay. Uh, so I believe that go is it's not only that we should, but we need to go out of our way to. Mm-hmm. And now these, you both referenced the early church, so Jesus giving commands and how the early church grew. How do you think that relates to our culture today and the changes that have that have come across? Well, what did Youth for Christ used to say? Uh, anchored to the truth and geared to the times. Okay. And I think uh, we have to adapt to the times. Mm-hmm. So, I am. Uh, I've got more to say on that with a later question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're, our cultures today are a lot different than they were back in those days in the early church. Mm -hmm. uh, in the early church, the the apostles and, and such would go to the temple and present the gospel there until it was, you know, until they had rejected it and they started taking it to the, to the uh, Gentiles. Mm -hmm. And so our culture today, everybody just seems to be so busy running around. It's really hard to catch people to present the gospel to them. And, uh, and uh, so you've, you've really got to think it out and you've got to plan to do that. And one way you do that, I think, is to, is to purposely try to make uh, relationships and connections that way. Because then once you've got that relationship, then it's it's that's the opportunity right there right. Uh, i i i work in people's houses all the time that's my that's what i do mm -hmm. and i love working for people and talking mm -hmm. to people and stuff like that but everybody just is just run 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 you know they don't have time for anything it seems like so you've got to you've got to be smart about it and and look for that opportunity mm -hmm. um i was in a house just the other day and um and one one of the people in the house is not doing very good with his health and everything. 
but we had an opportunity to talk about the Lord, about the gospel, about coming to McGregor. Hey, man, this would be a great place. Come to McGregor and stuff like that. So we talked about that a little bit. And sometimes it's just little bit by little bit. Mm-hmm. And then you then then you have the opportunity to present that gospel to them. And so, um, yeah, today is a lot different than it was back in the back in the early church. Yeah. I well, it's a lot different than it was when I was young. Okay. I mean, back then, everybody had a at least a, some knowledge of Christianity. Mm-hmm. But we have a generation now that's had no Bible reading in the school, no Ten Commandments written on the wall. Uh, that's just almost post-Christian. Okay. And uh, so we had a starting place. I mean, all I had to do usually was tell someone... They knew enough about Christianity, but they still had the idea that it was a bunch of rules and regulations and that they earned their way to heaven. Mm. And all you had to do then was just explain to them that it's a gift. Yeah. And uh, but nowadays you have to start much more basic than that. So you're saying we have some work to do. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's interesting. I mean, there's we're living in a heathen world and, uh, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel, they got taken and woke up in a strange company, country. Well, one day I woke up and said, this is a strange place I'm living. It's not right. the America I'm used to. Right. And so um, I think, you know, we start with people from scratch almost mm. nowadays because they don't have any background. It's interesting. Yeah, I've had some of that, those opportunities to share and realizing I had to start way early in the story and even the worldview. I think um, my experience previously was telling Bible stories in West Africa where they had a Muslim worldview. So a little bit of background, but not much. And so that kind of starting from scratch and explaining um, was part of the process. But you're right when we're, you know, making those relationships and then connecting with others, it does sometimes have to go, you know, a little more basic and connecting with people. But I think the good news is that we don't have to do it. You know, we don't have to convince or um, say all the right things. It's it's really God's, God's action. I think too, a lot of people are afraid because they think to witness, you have to have results. Hmm. And I remember when Campus Crusade came out with the, the four spiritual laws and all, I taught a class on evangelism and one of their little slogans, if I can remember it with my 90-year-old brain, uh, was effective witnessing was sharing the gospel and leaving the results up to God. Okay. And when people realized that, they, they weren't as terrified because they didn't think they had to close the deal like a salesman or right, something. Right. People say, I don't have the gift to gab or I'm no salesman. Well, you don't have to be. Right. And once they get that in their mind, they're much more at ease. We had two little ladies that uh, took that class, and they were very—they were little widow women, and they were very shy. And we, one of the things we had to go out and make a survey mm-hmm. to—you know, people like to answer a survey, and so that's how you got your foot in the door. And uh, they came back, and they had read the tract to a lady, and she prayed with them to receive Christ, and they were so elated. Yeah. But— they they learn that you don't have to everybody doesn't have good results so to speak but the results is god's business our business is to share right that's true yeah one of the things i've noticed that is when you're talking to people 
and encouraging them to witness and that sort of thing is once they go out and do it and they lead somebody to Christ, it's like, wow, that wasn't, that was, that was great. I, I, you know, and they get excited about it and they, you know, and they want to go out and do it more. And uh, the thing about witnessing is the more you do it, the easier it gets. Mm -hmm. And you just got to stick your foot in the water and get out there and, and do it. And, and there's, there's, there's lots and lots of people out there who are ready to hear the gospel. Mm. So how have you seen this like distracted culture come across in your personal lives or ministries? Well, that's one thing I see all the time. Like I said, I work in people's houses and stuff and, you know, usually the husband's off working somewhere and the wife, you know, she's got kids or she's working also. Mm -hmm. There'll be a lot of times I work in people's houses and they're not even there. Mm -hmm. um, so it goes back to that relationship things when you do get chances to see them and talk with them and stuff like that you try to steer the conversation so to speak you know into areas like that where you have opportunities to to you know talk about oh the church i go to is a really great church oh, i'm doing this with my church or i'm doing that with my church and stuff like that and uh and um what was his name henry blackaby mm -hmm. um well, I can't, he wrote a book a long time ago and really was good for me at where you see God working in a certain area, you want to join with him. So you ask questions to people and see where they are and stuff like that. And if you get a response, then you get that impression that, oh, wow, man, God's working in this person's life. It's, you know, it's, uh, this is, I need to really, I need to really be thinking about this mm -hmm. and, you know, how can I present the gospel to this person? Yeah, I've heard that advice, like see where God's at work and join him. Jump right. in there. Yeah, that was in that book. I can't remember. Do you remember that, Pastor? Mm -hmm. I can't remember. It was Henry Blackaby, and uh, I can't remember the name of the no book. Problem. But anyway, it was, uh, it, it was really good because God is working. Yeah. He's everywhere. Mm -hmm. He's busy all the time. I tell people we got to be about the, the family business. <laughs> and and you know just being about his business doing his thing what he's called us to do and that's uh um that's what we should be doing and on the other hand there are some people i think that almost are obnoxious okay they they feel they have to uh they have to make a witness to everybody and they do it in front of a crowd now i never witnessed anybody in a group because mm. you know they think they're they get embarrassed and and all, I always found a way to be one on one with them. Okay. And uh, some people, I mean, just I was at this one guy. He had been a pastor here in town, and, and uh, you know, he he well, hello, madam, and where do you two go to church? And I mean, it was out in the vestibule of a cafe. Or I mean, that's not the way to do it. Mm. I think it's it can't be a forced thing. It's got to be natural. Right. Right. No, and I wonder because, you know, as a mom, my kids are in the car and we pass someone either preaching on the street corner or, you know, the, the gentleman downtown in Fort Myers with the cross dresses up like Jesus. Right. I honor that passion. Um, they have guts. That's a lot of guts and a lot of passion. I want, I want to honor that at the same time of saying, I don't know. Well, for sure, that's not what God's called me to, but am I missing it? I try to like entertain the notion is this what we should be doing how is this connecting to our culture and am i missing it 
And more often than not, and you know, I wait around, I'm like working with God about it. And he's like, no, you're not called to that, but they're still honoring me with what they're doing. I think there's a verse in the Bible that talks about that. If they're not dishonoring you, they were talking about Jesus and stuff like that, but they weren't. Uh, they didn't have their heart in it. Yeah, they were actually mocking Paul who was in jail, but he said, as long as the gospel goes, yeah, I don't care how. Yeah, yeah if they're if they're for us, they're not against us. Right. So the gospel's going forward. So right. maybe that's where that's going. Yeah, no, it's type true. Of thing. And God leads different people and according to their personalities. It's interesting, but back in the 40s, the pastor of the biggest Episcopal church in New York City mm-hmm. would put a clapboard on and walk down the street, and he'd say, I'm a fool for Jesus. Whose fool are you? Yeah. So, you know, I wouldn't be able to do that probably, but. Yeah. It, whatever God calls you to, right? Yeah. I think people think moving to Africa is kind of crazy too. So <laughs> I'll take it. Um, but. So I think it's an interesting challenge because we want to know what works, right? What's the formula? How do I sell? How do I close the deal? Um, but, but you there, don't always have to. Right. And there Mark and I had the perfect situation. <laughs> yeah. We, we preached at jail and we had a captive audience. Uh, they couldn't go anywhere. Right. <laughs> they, they were there. They were sitting there and uh, with guards all around so they couldn't get up and leave. <laughs> so that was a lot of fun. But I think it's important to to realize that we can't make God save people. No. And them leading in a prayer because they feel pressured or, you know, coerced or anything does not make them them saved or right. anything like that. I right. Think it's um we can be zealous and want that, but you know, right. it, it does take the Lord's work to do it and we're called to share. And and I don't think I don't the Lord doesn't want is not doesn't want those either really you know to force somebody to get saved or embarrass them into getting saved or something like that that's not what he's looking for right he wants the person's heart and uh and that's what seems to work for me anyway is that relationship now i've got a i've got a somebody that i i'm on a i'm we're on a uh the same level in a sense that we can talk about different things when I mean, we do we talk about all kinds of different things and so it's a perfect opportunity to to bring up the lord and mm-hmm. and being involved in a church and you know what what do you think about this do you have any spiritual beliefs or right. you know things of that nature so that's yeah i love the relationship aspect of it because um especially in my stage of life i have the mom friends you know and the school friends and the people that you know we plan play dates with and um it's an opportunity to connect with them and love yeah. them directly um, and share Jesus when when we can. I think um, just being real here, I err on the side of less frequent. You know, I don't wanna, like how early is too early? You know, how awkward is too awkward? And I think I probably miss opportunities where it I was called to share more boldly, but at the risk of you know maybe having a weirdness in the relationship or having people think that i'm something well god makes us like we are mm. and he must have a certain once he thinks that we will able to a would be able to reach better i'm an introvert mm. people would never know it i mean but uh i really am and see when i started to witness i've 
you know, it took a lot of courage to just get started. Yeah, I bet. Because I'm, I used to, if I'd see someone coming down the street, I knew I'd cross the street so I didn't have to say hello. <laughs> I would not believe that. Well, it's the truth. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, I, um, the, everybody has a sphere of influence. Mm-hmm. Everybody has a pastor's sphere is, is different than mine. Um, one of my good buddies at, at church here is uh, Craig Mayer, and uh, he's a very dear friend. And uh, But he his sphere of influence or his people that he hangs out with is yeah. very different than I do. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I work in people's homes, and the people that I work with are usually construction guys and stuff like that. Yeah. And they're they're just a different breed of people, you know, you, well, you know what I'm saying. And so, but I fit right in with those guys and I can talk to those guys and I do talk to those guys. And, um, and so, but he would have a hard time, I think, in that area. Um, one of the things too, is I, I work with kids and I, that's my passion is to work with kids because I want to get the kids I want them to avoid the troubles that I had in my life. And if we can get them on the right road, you know, early and believing in Jesus and what a great God he is and what a marvelous uh, life that he has for you, if you'll but listen to him and live your life according to the way he said. Um, uh, So that's that's really important to me is to get those kids and get them going. That's the other sphere. But and Craig. uh, is not about kids, but he has such a leadership um, ability, and he deals with a lot of people that are in leadership and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And he's just he's really good about that kind of stuff. So we all have different people. Yeah, Pastor has pe- different people than I do, and I have different people than him and you also. Yeah, and so we just need to be busy uh, in the sphere of influence that God has given us. Right. I heard. Sometimes someone said the greatest act of love we can do for others is to share the gospel. Like if you truly believe that people are going to hell without without Jesus, what so are we true. doing? That you know, so true. Um, but I also have friends that when I did that out of pure love and care, you know, the best I could, as gentle as I could, to say no, actually, you know, I think you're following the wrong way. Um, they were offended and thought I was accusing them, you know, bigoted. I was told I was a lot of different things. What do you think are some tips for people who are feeling that way? Like they want to love others, but the doors aren't open. Well, I think one of the things that I had to learn early on, and I learned this the hard way, was the gospel is offensive Mm. to people, to certain people. It just is. Mm. And, um, And it's because they don't, truly understand what's going on there um and so if it's offensive to them then i'm sorry but i'm 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 just trying to point you in the right direction and tell you and show you the truth the love of god but yeah it's offensive to some people and some people it they it comes out they let you know that it's offensive and i've had that happen too not i had it happen once in the jail when i was at the jail but that was an interesting time but um yeah it is offensive sometimes have you ever had a door slammed in your face oh absolutely i think that uh, not only that but the gospel really hurts a person's pride Mm. and people are very prideful i mean to admit that you're a sinner 
I mean, people fight that. Yeah. I'm what as good as other people. I mm. lot better than some, and and you know, and, and it hurts their pride. Mm. And one of the things we have to do to be saved is to, right? You know, admit. I remember I thought I was a Christian because I was raised in a church, but had never heard the gospel or repented of anything. And when when it came down to that brokenness that I said, I thought, I thought I was, you know, good. I thought I was a Christian and I wasn't. That broke me. Um, but, you know, if you can, those that have accepted as a child, it's a little easier because, you know, our pride is not so built up. But yeah, breaking that pride um, is is a huge. And Jesus said to his disciples, you know, the world has hated me, they'll hate you yeah. too. Right. So that's kind of part of the deal. That's not fun. It's not fun. No. No. But it is part of the deal. Yeah. Like you say. It is. And we should all be living and loving in our different spheres of influence. I think it's important. And that's why God calls us as part of the body. I was thinking that as you were talking about Craig and shout out, Craig, thanks. Um, you know, we are all different, created with different opportunities, different love languages, different skills, and in different spheres right. to live out our faith and to share and be ready to share about what God's done for us. Amen. Um, one of my favorite quotes from the recent TV show, The Chosen, she says, you know, I was one way and then I was different. And what happened in between was Jesus. Right. And that, that sticks with me. I'm, you know, I was one way and then I was different and Jesus was the difference. Yeah. So, you know, as we love people and have the opportunity to share, it's not about us. It's not about our, you know, comfortability. Um, I think it's really just loving people by sharing and allowing, you know. It's interesting. Uh, I got saved in 1979 in a phone booth in Seattle, Washington. Do you remember what a phone booth is? I, I okay, do. Okay, good. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, and I hadn't seen my mom in probably, I don't know, by the time I got back home, it was probably three to five years since I'd seen my mom. And I'd become a Christian during that time. Okay. And I'm sitting across the table from my mom and she looks at me and she goes, you are so different. <laughs> so you're right. It's your mom. My, yeah. Okay. And yeah, nobody knows you like your mom, right? Yeah. So um, it we can be different. Yeah. And and there should be a difference between before and after. Mm -hmm. And Jesus is the reason for that. So last question. Um, this is something I've been trying to work through and talk to the Lord about, but when should I give up and move on if someone doesn't want to hear it or if they're listening but not changing or if they profess faith, but you know they're not living it? What are, what are some advice thoughts you have on on that kind of idea well i think you need to let it simmer a while mm. and pray a lot yeah i um uh, i had an unfair advantage i um uh, you know we had all these ministries and all the mm -hmm. my, my idea was to have a find a need and meet it yep and so we had all these need meeting ministries and uh, we'd We'd interested, we took care of people and what they thought they needed, mm. and that gave us the opportunity to tell them what we thought they needed even more, mm. and it opened the door. 
we had at one time 202 uh, need meeting ministries and the people wow. came up with them and they manned them. Yeah. First one we had was divorce recovery. Mm -hmm. We were the first church in town to offer divorced people something to help them get their act back together and things like that. And it was amazing. It just grew like crazy. Mm -hmm. And uh, of course, we had a lot of our prospects for evangelism from that. And then, of course, we got into drug and alcohol abuse and all kind of things. Even even people that were, they'd look in the obituaries and newspeak of the newspaper and find people that were grieving. One of my laymen came up with a grief support ministry idea, and it just spread and spread. And that kind of opened the door for us to, once we, we showed that we cared about what they thought they needed, mm -hmm. we could tell them about something they didn't realize they needed. Mm -hmm. And uh, I mean, even vacation Bible school, mm -hmm. a lot of people drop off their kids to have free night or free week of nights. And uh, so we, uh, of course, back then the pastor told like a character story and everybody. Okay. So when you go visit these parents, the kids say, oh, it's pastor so-and-so. And they couldn't turn you, they couldn't shut the door in their face to their own kids. Mm -hmm. So I think that's kind of the idea of what we have to do in this generation. Mm -hmm. We have to find a uh, way. Of course, I think with the shape our country's in, our world's in, I hope that people will finally wake up and see there's only one answer mm -hmm. to all this. There's only one hope that we have left. Yeah. And, uh, but, and I think maybe God's going to, you know, give them enough time to catch on to that. Right. What a good God we serve. Amen. Yeah. Well, thank you guys both for joining us. And to our listeners, thank you for spending your time with us. If you haven't connected online, check us out on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. And be sure to check out our other McGregor podcast channels. Just head over to TalkTruthPodcast.com for all the details. And we'd love to hear from you. Give us your feedback however you're listening to this. Thanks for being with us. And remember to talk truth.